Thanks for being here today. Before we get into the message, um, first of all, I want to just say thank you to the worship team. Um, the, the guys up here are, are good, but the ladies are spectacular. Just so you know that. Um, I, I love what they do. Yeah, they deserve a round of applause. Um, the way that they volunteer, give of that time. And I, I was thinking about in first services, I was listening to the worship and really thinking and, and worshiping and praying how worship music just it's like it opens up the heart and the mind to the word of God coming a little bit later and that's why we worship we worship not only to praise God but it also gets us ready for the coming of the word of God and that's how we should approach worship every every Sunday is that this is there you know uh, going back to the old Bugs Bunny cartoon that music uh, you know soothes the savage beast and so that's what it does for us here it just opens up our hearts to the word of God. Um, another thing I just want to make mention of, I know the parking lot is really slippery. Just be very extra careful as you're walking out in the parking lot. I, I don't want to see anybody fall and get hurt. Um, so please be extra careful there. And just to reiterate what Pastor Grant had said about the baby bottles, we we love supporting Women's Resource Center. We are committed to life. There's We're not going to ever apologize for that. Um, children are created, we are created in the image of God. Uh, the Bible tells us, um, I think it was of... of Isaiah or Jeremiah, I can't remember which one, but was being knit together in his mother's womb. Well, that's a, a reference to us as well. We are knit together in our mother's womb. In the book of Ephesians, it calls us the workmanship of God. That is humanity, creation. We are the workmanship of God. The literal term means work of art. You are God's masterpiece. You are his work of art. In other words, he made you exactly how you're supposed to be. He gave you the abilities, the talents, the time, the treasure, the resources, whatever it might be, specifically for you because he made you exactly how he wants you. You are his work of art. Now, because of that, we believe life is precious. It is a gift of God, and we love supporting ministries like that. Well, today, before we get into the message, I'm going to take about five to ten minutes, and I want to give you the State of the Church update or the State of the Church address. Now, if you're visiting with us, this is your first time here, this is not a normal thing. Um, I, I talk about this about once a year where we just give some statistics, and then the message a little bit later is one that I, I preach rarely. I want to talk, though, first about the state of the church, just to give you a little bit of background on the um, purpose of the church and what 2023 looked like for us. So number one, let me talk about the Journey mission. What are we about? What is the purpose of Journey Church? Well, the purpose is to establish and build and nurture a community of faith, in order to help each other out along life's journey. And that's really all we're about. We're about helping each other along the journey of life, which is why we're called Journey. Journey, our community of faith, is a place where people want, I want people to, where you can feel safe and protected and free and forgiven and honored and loved and encouraged and valued because you are valuable. And you absolutely do matter. Journey is, and this is what the church is supposed to be around the world, but we are multifaceted in what the purpose of the church is. The church, Journey Church, is a hospital. 
Now, we're not a literal hospital because at the, at the, at somebody throwing up, I will throw up as well. So I'm not, it's not a literal hospital. We are a, a spiritual, emotional hospital where broken, hurting people can come and find the healing that they desperately need because that's what a hospital does. A hospital takes sick people and helps them to get well. We're here to help you get well. And in order to get well, you have to recognize and understand that I'm first sick before I can actually get well. We are, the church is, also a university. We're here to teach you, to to train you, to equip you for the work of service, to give you theological and doctrinal knowledge, to help you understand the Bible. This is why I am very big on preaching through the Bible and trying to make it understandable for everyone, no matter what level you're at, to make it understandable and to really help you in life because we're a university. We are a treatment facility. You bring your addictions, your baggage, and we want to help you find recovery and walk through recovery and get recovered to what God has in store. We're all broken people. We're not where God wants us to be, and we go through recovery to get to where God wants us to be. So that's a big, huge part of what we do. We are an army base. We're here to train you to crawl through the mud, to use that weaponry that God has given you to be able to fight the good fight. Because there is a fight. There is a battle. Outside of these walls, there is a a hostile enemy that is there against you. It's not flesh and blood that we are fighting against. It's the spiritual powers of darkness in this world. So we are equipping you to be a military force. We are also a social group. We're here to be that social group and to have those connections and those relationships. And so that is why we exist. That is our purpose, and that's what we want to be as a church. Let me tell you a little bit about 2023 and what happened during 2023. Let me just tell you a little bit about attendance. In 2023, we had a combined cumulative attendance of 23,108. Now, that's not 23,000 different people. That's a lot of you coming multiple times. According, you know, across that entire year, but we had a total attendance, all of it added together, of 23,000. In 2023, we averaged on Sunday mornings 427.93. Now, I don't know who that 0.93 of a person is, but we averaged that. Our high Sunday was Easter Sunday, and that was 804 that came in for the three services that we had on Easter Sunday. Our attendance graph, that's kind of what it looks like. Now, I don't talk about these all the time, but it's good every once in a while just to reflect and see, well, what actually happened and what did attendance look like? Are we accomplishing our mission? Are we reaching the community? How are we doing? Let me tell you a little bit about financially. Again, I don't talk about finances very often. Uh, Rarely do I. Maybe once a year we'll just review these real quickly. But I want you to be aware. Not we're trying to hide anything. You are welcome to know. It's just not something that comes up very often that we really worry about or even talk about. In 2023, we brought in 618,000 in tithes. We brought in $82,000 in rental income. Now, what is rental income? Well, we own the property, not only this property, but we own the property up on the hill behind us, and we rent that out in order to have some rental income. Now, eventually, we have a dream 
And that is to turn that property into an expansion of our church or maybe a youth facility or some other ministry. But we, we get that rental income for now, which really helps us a lot. We had a Christmas Eve offering of 2427 Now, all of that went to our food pantry, the entire amount. So that helps fund our food pantry. And we just had some interest income, 775 for a grand total of almost 704000 which is amazing. It is some of the, one of the things over 10 years, we've never worried financially. We've never uh, begged financially. God has just continued to provide, and we are so thankful for it. 2023, we spent money in this way. We had 7378 in missions, and we want to see that increase dramatically over the next year and years. That is our goal. We had personnel expenses. That means paying for uh, staff of salary taxes, retirement, medical um, of 341000 we had three full-time uh, pastors, two people that worked three-quarter time, and then we had six different part-time individuals during the course of that. So that's how that would break down. That didn't all come to me, because I know some of you are thinking that. It did not, by any means, not even close. Um, we had ministry expenses to pay for different ministries, youth ministry, children's, those kind of ministries of 62000 We spent 210000 on this building, we spent 20000 on office expenses. And again, these are just very broad categories, not breaking down because I don't want to go through all of that. But we had expenses of 650000 roughly, which gave us a net income, which is amazing because rarely do we see a net income. We had a net income of 54000 uh, over the course of 2023. At the end of 2023, just to give you an idea... We had 66000 in our checking, 100000 in our savings, and then we paid off this building completely, so we have zero debt, which is just absolutely amazing. Now... <clears throat> Again, we've never begged, we've never asked, we've never made that a primary focus. We don't pass an offering plate. We have boxes at the back. We have kiosks that we do uh, that we get funds through. We we don't make that a priority. We trust God, and God ultimately provides. And we want to be good stewards with what God gives us. But that freedom now of not having that building payment then helps us to start thinking about well, what's the future going to look like. How can we use what God provides to reach this community? Well, there's multiple avenues of that. One, missions. How can we support missions? How can we add additional people staff-wise as we need additional people on the staff to do different ministries that we really want to see focused? But really, how do we reach this community? And do we do that through adding a third service here? Do we do that through planting a church or churches, not only in this town, but in our region? Region, in Northeast Wyoming region? Uh, do we create satellite campuses where we are starting to reach people that way? Do we look at ministry in other ways, other means of, of reaching the community and re reaching this area? Do we expand our, uh, you know, whether it's radio or, or television or anything like that? Is that an, a means? And we're right, praying about that and seeking that and wanting to know, God, what do you want us to do? We have building upkeep that we obviously have to happen. This building is great. It's absolutely not perfect. So there's parking lot things we need to do. 
we have this little messed up breezeway that connects the two buildings that's a congestion point. We'd love to blow that out and, and not literally blow it up, but ha- <laughs> take that down and create a large social coffee area where we can do more groups and we can gather and meet together. There's just all kinds of things that's going to free us up to do. Let me tell you a little bit about how our church is structured with governmental wise. We are a non-denominational church, which means that we don't have a denomination that we're a part of. So I am the lead person um, here, and that all that really means is I'm involved in everything, which is sometimes a blessing and sometimes a curse. We have our three different divisions, um, just like the three legislative branches of the government. We are far more efficient and better, better working and less evil and corrupt uh, than that is. But we have first the finance committee. They handle all of the business decisions. They handle all of the administrative decisions, whether it's budgeting or numbers. It's never just one person. It runs through this particular group. In fact, if you are on the finance committee and you're here, would you just stand up real quickly so we can see you? Anybody on the finance committee? So we have Rana and Jessica, who are two of the five that are on there. I'm by default am. If you have questions financially, you can ask those two, and they would be glad to help you and assist you. We have a staff, and that handles the day-to-day operations of the church. We have myself and Grant, who are full-time. And then we have several part-time people. We have Jesse, who handles the maintenance of the church. He is our maintenance director. He manages the maintenance team, and he does great at managing the maintenance team because it's only him on the maintenance team. He does a great job. We have Jamie Crabtree, who handles all of the uh, finances as the bookkeeper of the church. We have Jonathan Hartman, who handles all of the tech of the church, the website, the tech, they do that. And then Samantha uh, Rogers, who handles all of the office administration and also does a lot of the website stuff as well. So if you're a staff member, would you just stand We have Grant, we have Samantha here, and I think that's all of our staff that are in this service. Others were um, in that. Thank you. And then we have our elders, and our elders are the spiritual directors, the spiritual lay pastors of the church who handle the spiritual vision and direction and ministry, and underneath that help to help to shape the direction of ministry with our deacons that we are, we have a few deacons in place, but we're actively working on that. But the elders, if you're one of the elders, would you just stand up so we can just see you? So we have three of the elders here, Ben and Ryan and Grant, and so if you have questions you can go to them. All right, during this past year, one of the things that we have focused on, the messages, I don't have the messages. These are just the things that I was involved in. I don't have the ones that Grant or Stephen had done just because I didn't have access to the graphics for that. But we covered these different areas, whether they were large, long sermon series like the sit, walk, stand in the book of Ephesians or Advent, or they were a short once, you know, one-time message. Those are the things that we did. And I, I think you understand my heart when it comes to preaching is that I'm what's called an exegetical preacher. The exegesis of the Bible is what does the entirety of the Bible say? I want to preach through sections or books because I want to get the whole heart of God when it comes to this. There are too many churches that cherry pick the messages that they want to preach and they don't preach the entirety of the word. So my goal is to preach the entirety of the word because Paul said to Timothy, who was a a pastor in Ephesus, Paul gave him this encouragement. He said, 
He said, preach the word in season and out of season. He said to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with great patience and careful instruction. And so Paul said, preach the word. And so I've taken that to heart. I just want to preach the word. And that's why we go through a lot of these different things. On top of that, we have had so many numerous volunteers who have given of their time and their talents here at the church in varieties of capacities. If you are one of the volunteers that helps in any capacity in the church, would you just stand so we can just see how many people actually are serving in different capacities here in the church? So yeah, thank you so much. And I know that there's others that do, and you just didn't stand up. We have to have a lot of volunteers to help this church function. It's like one big functional, dysfunctional family, and that's what we are, and that's okay. And we help serve this church together, and we serve one another together. I want to commend you for your generosity, not only financially, but spiritually, relationally, and serving in aspects of ministry, which brings me to the message that I have for you today. That's a shorter message, but an important message. And the message today is this, open hands, living a life of generosity. Let's pray as we begin. Father, help us to understand what your heart is for us and help me to communicate it in a way that is going to really pierce through the heart, Lord, that we would receive your word, that we would understand it and apply it to our lives here today. Lord, thank you for your continuous provision, the way you've cared about us, the way you've provided for us, and we look forward to what you're going to do in the future. Help us to have your heart, your mind, and your vision for this community that you have put us in. Bless our time now as we open your word and help us to hear from you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So I'm going to talk today about financial giving. I'm going to talk about why this is an important issue with God. Now, let me give you, there are three caveats that I want to give you as we start this message. Number one, and again, if you're a visitor for the very first time, you just need to know this. I rarely talk about giving. Rarely. You just happen to fall on the Sunday that I'm talking about giving. I rarely talk about this. In fact, I was looking back through my notes in 10 years. I believe this is the third time in 10 years that I have talked about giving. Maybe it's the fourth, but I think it's only the third time in 10 years, which means if you didn't hit today, it will probably be three years before you would hear it again. Number two, I am not begging you or trying to convince you to give money to Journey. That's not my heart. My heart is this, that I want you to do what God lays on your heart and what he commands you to do. I want you to be obedient to God, not only how you handle your life, but how you handle your finances. If you feel like I'm just trying to convince you to give to Journey, don't give to Journey, but give somewhere. Live a life of generosity somewhere. Give to ministries. Give to whatever your church home is. Give in such a way because God directs this. Number three, giving, and just know this as we begin, giving is an issue of the heart. And that's where it always begins and always ends. It is always about the heart. 
And so today, as we talk about this, I'm going to remind us this is really about your heart, not about your checkbook. It's about our hearts. Martin Luther, who was the famed theologian from the 1500s, who really started what we know as the Lutheran church, he said this, that transcends time. In the 1500s, Martin Luther said, people go through three conversions, the conversion of their head, their heart, and their pocketbook. What is he saying? He's saying, it starts in your head, and it moves from your head to your heart, and the final stage of surrender is when you can open up your accounts and say, God... Everything I have and everything that I am and everything that I will be is completely yours. You see, you can tell a lot about a person's spirituality by what they do with their money. What I want to look at today is Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 20. And I want to talk to you about what Paul says as he is concluding his letter to the church in Philippi about giving. Here's what it says, and if you have a Bible, open that up and walk through this with me. Otherwise, you can see the words on the screen. I'm going to read from the New King James Version today, and here's what the Word of God tells us. Paul writes this, concluding to the church in Philippi. He says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care... You just lacked an opportunity to show that you cared. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. That's going to be a key word. Paul says, I have learned how to be content. I know how to be abased. What does the word abased mean? Well, it means humbled, poor, lacking of anything. I've learned to be poor. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. That means I have plenty. I go to the cupboards, and I'm abased, and that means there's nothing in the cupboards. I go to the cupboards, and I'm abounding. It means everything is full and stocked up. I've learned it all. I've been through it all, Paul says. I know how to do these things everywhere, and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, to abound and to suffer need. I can... Do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I just want to highlight that verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. One of the most taken out of context verses in the Bible. Because most people use that as a proof text to say, well, I can just, I can do anything I want to do. Because Christ is going to strengthen me. And that's not what Paul was saying. Paul was saying, I can be hungry and I can be well fed Because Jesus strengthens me. I can be content in whatever circumstance I'm in because the Lord is with me. Nevertheless, you've done well that you've shared in my distress. Now, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full. 
having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you with sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. I'm going to talk about this later, but this is probably the second most widely verse taken out of context. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. We'll talk about that in a minute. There are three things that the Bible says in these verses that we just read about generosity. Three things that I want to talk to you about. Did you know that the Bible talks more about finances than it does about the next closest topic by far? It is almost double the amount that God talks about finances to the next topic. And the reason being is the financial issue is not a issue of the mind. It's an issue of the heart. And that's why he talks about this. Let's look at three things that Paul just said from verses 10 through 20 about giving and generosity. Number one, generosity is commended. I just want you to note that it is commended. Here's what Paul said that I just read. He said, nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. He is commending them saying, you have done well. What is he saying ultimately by that? Not the amount that was given. He's saying you've done well because you opened your heart and you opened your hands and were obedient to what God was putting on your heart to do. The issue is a heart issue. How do we know this? Well, here's what the Bible tells us. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, quoting a verse that Jesus had said something very similar, he said this, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. How many of you have heard that before? You've heard that verse. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Is money the root of all kinds of evil? The answer is no. What is the root? It is the love of money. Money is an amoral thing. What does amoral mean? It means it has no moral view. It's not good and it's not bad. It just is. It's a tool. It's a tool of life. It isn't good or bad. But money brings out the absolute worst in people. Let me give you some things that it brings out in people. Money brings out greed. It brings out envy. It brings out control. It brings out jealousy. It brings out division. It brings out anger. Money brings these things out when there is a love of it. There could be somebody who is extremely poor and has a tremendous love of money because they're focused on it all the time. I've got to have it. I've got to have more. I need more. I need it. There could be somebody very rich who has the love of money. It's never enough. I have to accumulate more. I have to turn millions into billions and billions into trillions. And it's never enough. And it never satisfies. There's also people that are very poor who have no love of money. It's like, thank you, Lord, that you provide, but I am not wrapped up in this. And there are very rich people who have no love of money. God, thank you that you provide, but I am not wrapped up in this. And if I lost it all, I would still be okay. The problem is the love of money 
which is really a heart issue. And when that is in your heart, you will not be able to be generous because you will love the accumulation and the hoarding more than open hands and generosity. And that's the real issue, the real spiritual issue. J. Paul Getty, who was one of the richest people ever to live, made this incredibly profound statement. He said, money is like manure. You have to spread it around or it smells. And that's what money is. You have to spread it or it just starts to eat away at who you are and it starts to stink up your life. If you ever wonder that, just find out what happens when somebody who has money dies. Because it brings out the absolute worst in people. Jealousy and division and bitterness and hatred and backbiting and envy. All of this happens because there's such a love of money. Well, Jesus said in Matthew 6, the issue, the root issue, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if you have money as the love of your life and you're consumed with it, even if you don't have it, it will eat you up. It will wreck your heart and wreck your life. God looks at the heart and he looks at what's going on in your heart. And money is a way that God can see what's really going on in your heart and in your life. In 1 Kings chapter 8, David was desiring to build a temple for God because God had put it on his heart. And in 1 Kings, it says this, the Lord said to David, whereas it was in your heart to build a temple for my name, you did well because it was in your heart. See, God commends a heart that is generous. God is well pleased with a heart that is generous. Again, I'm not trying to convince you to give here. I want you to live a life of giving wherever it is that you go. That is the important principle. Why is generosity good? Let me give you three things of why generosity is good. Number one, it's good because it is well-pleasing to God. And this is the verse that we read. Indeed, Paul says, I have all and abound. I am full, having received the, the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma. This is an acceptable sacrifice. It is well-pleasing to God. God is pleased with this. God is pleased with a heart that is generous. A stingy heart God is displeased with, according to everything his word says. And so if your heart is stingy, that's going to anger God. God gave everything to you. He gave his most valuable, treasured thing, and that was his son. And he expects us to have a heart full of giving at the same time. Now, number two, why is it good? Why is generosity good? Number one, because it pleases God. Number two, because it's all his anyway. The sooner we realize that, the better. It's all God's. God just gives me what I need. And so I should have open hands because how can I hoard what God has blessed me with and giving to me? In the book of Haggai, God says the silver is mine and the gold is mine. So what are you complaining about? What are you thinking about? It's all mine anyway. So I acknowledge it's all God's. It comes from him. And so, God, you use it however you want because it's yours anyway. In the book of Psalms, it says the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. The book of Deuteronomy 
God says to the people, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. And so if God provides, if God is in control, if it's all his anyway, then I'm going to open up my hands and say, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to use what you have given me? That's number two. Number three, because it shows what's in your heart. Second Corinthians, Paul writes this. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. That's why I am not here begging you or pleading with you or saying we need you to give. God's going to provide. And we're not worried about the fact that God's going to provide. I'm more concerned about your heart and your soul. That's what I'm concerned about. Are you a cheerful giver? Not grudging, not because you have to, somebody's twisting your arm, because God, everything I have is yours, I'm going to open my hands to you. That's why generosity is good. Peter, um, Peter uh, Marshall, who was a pastor and chaplain of the U.S. Senate, said something very profound. He said this, give according to your income, lest God make your income according to your giving. Just think about that. Give according to your income, or perhaps God may decide to make your income according to your giving. Would you like that to happen? Think about how much you actually give to ministries and give to missionaries and give to what God is doing. Would you like God to say, okay, I'll I'll give you back in proportion to what you actually gave. So generosity is committed. Generosity is also accumulated. What do I mean by accumulated? It is credited to your heavenly account. There's some kind of a credit. I don't know how the whole thing works, but I think it's this. You know I have, because I've shared with you before, I have a hobby of of flying. I'm I'm a pilot. I like to fly. You know I have that as a hobby because I've shared it many times. I try to work it into any sermon that I possibly can. So I'm working it into this one. There is a credit that is given. And I believe this, and somebody told me after first service, I bet this is what he meant. I don't know what, what God is going to credit to our accounts, but I am convinced that it means a whole fleet of planes when I get to heaven. That's what is going to happen. That's the credit that is happening. Here's what Paul said in verse 17 of what I read earlier. Not that I seek the gift. So Paul's saying, I'm not after your money. But... I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Somehow there is a credit that God looks and he says, wow, that person is generous. I am going to bless them. But it may not be today. It may be a future blessing in their life. Jesus says in Matthew 6, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy And where thieves break in and steal, you know, we have a lot of those kind of things, things that are filling up our garages and our, in the attic and the basement and every place that we go. It's just, we're so so overwhelmed with stuff and we accumulate cars and vehicles and, and airplanes and boats and, and campers and they just sit there and they rust. Why are we doing that? He says, instead, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Again, I don't know exactly what that's going to mean. But he says it. And so there must be something to it. 
that God is going to credit it to your account. So generosity is committed, it's accumulated, and generosity by God is rewarded. Amazing that it is rewarded. Again, what I had read earlier out of Philippians, one of the most misunderstood verses in the Bible is this one. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Let me tell you how that's taken out of context. There are so many people that take this verse and say, well, God is going to, he's promised, he's going to just supply all my needs. I can live however I want, and I can spend however I want, and do whatever I want, and God has promised he's just going to supply all my needs. That's not what this verse said. The whole context said this. Paul said, you were generous and gave to me, and he now will supply for every need you have. You know, you know how it's related? It is when you open your hands to God, God rewards that. And you can't outgive God. Let me tell you a little bit of a story when it comes to that. God was challenging me about 20 years ago to start giving more. I was somebody who tithed. And a tithe from the Bible means a tenth. I would give a tenth of my income to the church because that's what God commend, uh, commanded. And I want to be obedient. So I did that. And God challenged me to take extra and to put extra aside, not for the purpose of the church, but for the purpose of whatever ministry or person he put on my heart. And so what I started to do was I took extra out of every paycheck and I put it into a separate savings account and I just titled it my giving account. And as soon as I transferred it into that, it wasn't mine. This is God's. And he can use it however he wants. And so if I came across a person that was, didn't have enough money to buy groceries, here's, here's some money for you. Or if I had a missionary, here's some money for you. Or if there's an organization, God puts it on my heart, here's money for you. And God challenged me to do this. And so I thought, okay, we can't afford this. I don't know how we're going to do this. I'll start small. 25 bucks a paycheck. That's what I'm going to do. I'm already giving. I'm already tithing. I'm going to take 25 extra dollars per paycheck, and I am going to put it aside in my giving account for whatever God you want to use. I did that first week. Transferred it. Two days later, I got a check in the mail for $25. I thought, that's weird. It got a check in the mail. Exactly the same amount. Next week... I got another check as a gift from somebody in my life. They gave me a check for $25. I thought, okay, this is weird. Next week, I got a rebate on an item. Guess how much the rebate was? $25. Every week for the first like three, four, five weeks, every week something happened like that. Now, God was not, he didn't do that forever, but God was confirming in my mind, if you give, I will take care of you. Open your heart and open your hands to me. And when I did that, God began to provide. Amazingly, God began to provide what he says in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. Now, the context could be applied to everything in life. Forgiveness. 
Uh, it could be giving of your time, your talent, your resources. In this particular case, finances for me. Give, it's going to be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. Meaning it's going to go into your heart. Because that's where the real blessing occurs. In your heart. Not in your bank account. That's where prosperity gospel gets it all wrong. It's about your heart. It's not about your bank account. But in this particular case, as I gave, it's like God had a big cup and he shoved it in and he shoved more in and he shoved more in until it was heaping over and it was falling off the edges. And then it's what he said, I'm giving it back to you. Now, we don't give to get. We give because that's God's command. But God rewards that heart. And that reward could come financially. That reward could come with uh, peace in your life, different job that happens. It could come through whatever means God chooses. He gives into your heart. That's where the blessing occurs. And so Paul talks about this. And he says, because you gave... God will supply every need that you have through Christ Jesus. That's the context of the verse. So God rewards giving. Do you know that God generously treats those who treat others generously? And when you open up your heart and you open up your hands, God blesses that. He almost, it's almost like he looks at you and says, you're faithful with what I give you. I can give you more. And he looks at the person who is stingy and Scrooge-like and says, you're a hoarder. I'm not going to give you anything. Why would I? Because you're selfish. God rewards generosity. It says in Proverbs, the generous soul will be made rich. That doesn't mean financial. There's all kinds of riches that happen. A richness when you're generous. And he who waters will also be watered himself. In Proverbs 22, it says, He who has a generous eye will be blessed, for he gives of his bread to the poor. Developing a generous eye is looking around, seeing a need, and being willing to meet a need. In 2 Corinthians, Paul writes, He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. But he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So, let's summarize this. God desires a generous heart. Generosity is commended. It is accumulated and credited to our hearts. It is, and, and to our accounts, it is rewarded by God. Generosity is what God wants us to do. And it's oftentimes the last stage of surrender. Many of us want to be surrendered. I don't want to live for myself. I want to live for you, God. Okay, give me your heart and give me your life. I do, God. I give everything to you. Really, do you give me everything? Yeah, I give you everything. What about, what about your wallet? Uh, everything but that. Don't touch that. It's the final stage where you say, you know what, God? It all comes from you anyway. It's a command of yours. God, I open up my heart and my hands to you. You use it however you see fit. In the book of Malachi, 
the nation of Israel became stingy. They became hoarders, holding it all back for themselves. And God saw that heart and saw that attitude. And here's what he said to them. He said to the people of God, will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, in in what ways have we robbed you? Well, God says, in tithes and offerings, you have withheld. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me. This whole nation bring all the tithes, that is a tenth, into the storehouse, so that there may be food in my house. And you test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you so great a blessing until there is no more room to receive it. And I believe that's the message that God has. You test me in this, God says, and see if I am not faithful and I will not provide for you. I want to encourage you to live a life with open hands and a heart filled with generosity. Again, hear my heart in this, and I hope you get this. I am not begging you to give to Journey. I am not after your money. Some people think, well, that's what the pastor's after. He's only after my money. I'm not. Last time I preached on this, about two to three years ago. I rarely preach about this. I don't, like Paul said, I'm not worried about the gift. I'm worried about your heart. And I want to seek the credit to your heart that the gift provides. So if you feel like, oh, you're just after my money, give somewhere else. Give to a ministry. Give to a missionary. Give to a different home church. Give to that pastor you like on YouTube that is way better preacher than I am. Give to them. Just live a life of generosity and see what God will do as a result. Let's pray as we close. Father, thank you for the ways that you have provided, for the ways that you've always come through. We have never worried about finances. We have never focused on finances. Lord, we trust you. And I pray, Lord, for each person here that their heart would be right with you. That they would not be stingy and greedy and hoarding, but they would live a life of generosity. Where they see a need and they meet a need. Where they see the work that you're doing and they want to give to that work. That they want to see others come to, to the gospel and see others saved. I pray, Lord, that we would test you in this and see how much you will do when our hearts are generous and open. And Lord, it's not just finances. Help us to be generous and open-handed and open-hearted with our time, to be willing to give of our time to others. Help us to be willing to give of our talents and abilities for your sake. We want to see people come to know you, to come to know the good news that salvation happens only through you. And we want to live a life completely surrendered to who you are. So thank you, Father, for being here today. Thank you for each person here and for your blessings. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.